This is ESPN Radio. Murphy's eyes are like super blue. And people who have eyes like that, Uh they scare me a little bit because I find myself like not being able to look them in their eyes because it's like a very piercing thing. So every time I look up and Amber's on the show, I'm like, man, if Amber was yelling at me, you'd be 100,000% right about it. Uh-huh. Yes, ma'am, Jimmy Butler. Yes, for sure. 100%. Really? So I want no smoke. I look it up and she's just standing No, no, no change that, George. I never knew how, that all I had to do to terrify men was just look at them. That's great. I am back, America, back to terrify men on your television screens alongside Harry Douglas. Harry, do you find my eyes as terrifying as Alan Yates finds my eyes? No, I, th- I, think, I think your eyes are beautiful, Amber. I, I don't know why they would scare Yates. Why would they scare <laughs> Yates? You can't be scared of people's eyes unless they're red and look like they got blood coming out of them. That's a different story. Yates feels like he's easily shook. He is not here to defend himself because he is uh, following Drake all around the world, which is something apparently that Alan Yates likes to do, <laughs> or maybe because he was so scared of my eyes. So maybe that's why he decided not to show up this morning. But hey, Harry Douglas, find him on social at hdouglas83. He is here with you this morning. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So you might not be scared of my eyes, but Bengals fans probably a little scared this morning because of what happened very early in training camp here to their superstar quarterback. Joe Burrow was carted off the field yesterday after a non-contact injury, grabs his yeah, it grabs his calf. It appears to be a calf strain. And Harry, when you hear calf strain, for the average person, it feels like not a big deal. But when you hear anything, any injury, calf strain, and then Joe Burrow following it, all of a sudden things feel like a very, very big deal. Yeah, and for me, Amber, when I think about a calf strain, I can't help but think about the great Kevin Durant when he was with the Golden State Warriors and things started with a calf strain and then next thing you know, it went down to his Achilles and then he had to have surgery on his Achilles. So, you know, Joe Burrow injuring himself yesterday, I know a lot of people, you know, they started to stop breathing actually because you probably thought it was something else. But you want to be very, very cautious now if you're the Cincinnati Bengals because – One thing I know is that Cincinnati with Joe Burrow and Cincinnati without Joe Burrow, it's a huge difference. And I think with this type of injury, because you don't want it to linger and then something else come about uh, probably in the the near future, you want to make sure he's 100% healthy so he doesn't have injury. I know a lot of people are probably questioning why he's out there anyway. And I'll tell you why. When you have a guy like Joe Burrow who means so much to this organization and you look at the last few years across the board when he's had an ACL, right? He's had his appendix, um, I I believe, removed or surgery on it in some kind of way. Also, he's had COVID. He's missed some time, right? And he doesn't want to waste valuable time that he could be spending with his teammates to be better because, you know, last year with the appendix – I think it left a little blank spot for this team starting out in which they started two and three, losing to Pittsburgh, Dallas, and the Baltimore Ravens. So that's two division games off the bat that they lost. And then when I look at the 2023 schedule, you know, two of their first games are against the Cleveland Browns and also the Baltimore Ravens, in which they split both of those games last year. And we know the trouble that Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have had since he's been there versus the Cleveland Browns. They finally got over that hump in 2022 and beating them since Joe Burrow has been there. So I understand it from his perspective, what he wanted to do with his football team. But I'll say this, all that changes now 
If I'm Joe Burrow, I'm not going back out there until I have that contract, even though I believe he's going to get this get his money anyway. But if I'm Joe, I'm not going back out there until I'm 100% healthy. Also, if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't want Joe Burrow to go back out there until he's 100% healthy as well because I don't want anything to linger into the season. So a lot of people questioning, why is Joe Burrow out there? Why is he trying to roll outside of a pocket when he ends up injuring this calf or straining this calf? And we're still waiting on word what the timetable would be for Joe Burrow's return. But like Harry just said, it's not just about the severity of the strain. It's also about this contract extension that's looming that we know is coming for Joe Burrow as his team and the Cincinnati Bengals negotiate that contract extension. Let's hear from the quarterback, though, of the Bengals on why he's at camp participating instead of holding in or holding out. I've wasted enough days last two years with, you know, injuries and appendicitis and COVID the year before that. You know, I don't, I don't want to get out of camp wishing that I had, you know, seven more days that I could have got better. And so I'm, that's the reason I'm here. I'm focused on getting a deal done. It's good for us, good for me, good for the team, good for everybody. So it was supposed to be good for everybody. He sounded confident there that the deal would get done. And of course, we have every reason to believe that ultimately this deal will get done. But it's such a shame, Harry, that you heard him reference the injuries that you had just referenced. And it felt like this season, finally, Joe Burrow's coming into the season fully healthy. And again, just a strain. So it's not as if he ripped his calf in half, but those sorts of injuries can add up throughout the season when you're playing on an NFL field. Yeah, and you don't want that. You don't want that, especially, you know, the level that Joe Burrow plays at. A lot of people, including myself, have him, has him as the second-best quarterback in the National Football League right now. So I'm pretty sure if I'm T. Higgins, if I'm Jamar Chase, if I'm Tyler Boyd, if I'm those offensive linemen in which they revamped that O-line and bringing a lot of guys in within the last two years – I personally don't want Joe Burrow out there until he's 100% healthy because you don't want this lingering into the season because we know what the Cincinnati Bengals look like without Joe Burrow. And it's nothing against Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton gave the city of Cincinnati some wonderful years, right, and gave his all. But when you have a guy that's a franchise quarterback that has the moxie that Joe Burrow has, that has the, the, the demeanor and the attitude, and a lot of people call him Joe Cool, you don't play around with that. Because you know you are a, a, a Super Bowl contending team year in and year out as long as Joe Burrow is your quarterback. He even said it last year when somebody interviewed him. I don't know if it was after practice or after a game. Is that the Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl window? It's forever as long as he's the quarterback of this football team. So when you have someone that understands that, someone who displays that on the football field, who's been to back-to-back AFC championship games and uh, two seasons ago had a Super Bowl appearance, You don't play around with that. You make sure that guy is healthy because he's so valuable to your organization. He's so valuable to your football team. And he's the main reason why you're able to have success within the last two years. Nobody wants to see Trevor Simeon out there, right? I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Nothing against Trevor Simeon. But I'm not turning on a damn Cincinnati Bengals game if Trevor Simeon is the quarterback. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. Yeah, Trevor gets that, right? I mean, he knows who he's sitting behind. And, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals need Joe Burrow in order to win. But now Joe Burrow is not going to be available. Not going to be available because of the calf strain, but also probably not going to be available because he's probably not going to step back on that field until he gets that money at this point, honey. Adam Schefter, ESPN (laughs) NFL insider. He was on the 6 p.m. Sports Center. He agrees. 
The backdrop to all this, of course, mm. is that Joe Burrow is on the verge of becoming the highest paid player in NFL history. At some point, the two sides are going to try to get that deal done. And you have to wonder now, with Joe Burrow's agent also representing Nick Bosa, who didn't even show to the 49ers training camp and won't show until he gets a new contract, if we won't see Joe Burrow back on a practice field again until he does become the highest paid player in NFL history. But for now, it looks like a calf injury. Calf injuries usually sideline players multiple weeks But mixed in with the backdrop of his unsettled contract situation, you have to wonder if we'll see Burrow again before his name gets signed. A little different of a situation between a quarterback and Bosa, right? But that's interesting, an interesting caveat that the agent represents both. And in one case, we're seeing a hold in. And in the other case, we're seeing Joe Burrow go out there and then get hurt. And by the way, Harry, he already had a sleeve on that calf that he strained, which I thought that was interesting. And I know a lot of people saying, well, at this point in camp, you know, it's camp and and people are sore because they're just getting back into the rhythm of things in football. I wonder, you played the game for a decade in the NFL. Could it be that that calf was already a little weekend because he was a little sore, you know, taking these reps that maybe he hadn't taken here in months and then that's why the strain actually occurs? Well, I know you just don't wear a sleeve for no particular reason. Like So so obviously something had to be going on for him to have a sleeve on that calf uh, to begin with. And, you know, it, it probably was a little weakened. And the next thing you know, uh, you injure it uh, f- furthermore. But I think now, you know, the training staff in which the Cincinnati Bengals, their head trainer, I know him very, very well. He was one of my trainers when I was at the University of Louisville, and he's one of the best in the business. So I know his mindset and how he's going to approach, you know, Joe Burrow. It's going to be a lot of dry needling, you know, to loosen up those muscles a little bit. You know, contrast, cold and hot and light massages and hiblomat, all that good stuff. You bring me back to my playing days now. (laughs) My goodness. But uh, they're going to take care of Joe Burrow. He's the face of that franchise. He's Joe Cool. He's the person that gives them a chance to be a Super Bowl contender. So they're not going to let him back out there either until he's fully healthy and ready to go. They're not going to let him out there until he's fully healthy and ready to go. I doubt Joe Burrow is going to let himself back out there until he makes north of $262.5 million, which is what we just saw Mm. uh, Justin Herbert get. It was a little bit more than we saw Lamar Jackson get before that. And I would imagine Joe Burrow is about to surpass both of those guys and become the richest contract in NFL history. That's just where we're at in the NFL. That's where we're at in terms of the quarterback market and where we're at in a couple years with the direction of the salary cap they're gonna have to get this deal done now and Joe Burrow has every reason to not step on that field until that deal is in place because I give him a lot of credit for trying to play ball quite literally right for trying to be there for his teammates for getting started right off the bat with his teammates because he wanted to put his best foot forward a lot of puns there but that's the reality of the situation instead he ends up straining his calf in doing that and I would imagine that if you're Joe Burrow there's a bit of a re-evaluation of your situation where you're like ah, all right I can get hurt I'm not invincible I've gotten hurt every single season I'm always coming into the season with some sort of issue this isn't a huge deal in terms of a strain but I don't want to go out there too soon without that money in place and it become a huge deal in terms of costing me some money down the road well, if anyone in the Cincinnati Bengals organization tries to fight Joe Burrow about getting paid, shame on them. 100% shame on them. I don't think that's going to be the case, but 
I think they would understand why Joe Burrow doesn't want to step on that football field until he actually gets his funds that, you know, he's warranted because he's lived up to the hype. He's played like the number one overall draft pick that when they drafted him. And also he's had two AFC championship appearances along with the Super Bowl appearance. And he's 3-1 and one versus Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so go ahead and ink him in. Don't waste time. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they know, too. I mean, if you're the Bengals, you know, all right, we're going to have to pay him. And we're going to have to pay him north of this now that they have the number. I think Burrow was probably waiting yep. to see, frankly, what Herbert got. And before that, what Jalen Hurts got out of that same draft. They now have that number. So what it's taking a while. I mean, what's taking a while is, you know, how they how they go ahead and structure it and how they structure it to give them as the Bengals the best opportunity in terms of working with their cap here over the next five years or whatever the extension ends up being. So I would imagine that we will see that coming sooner rather than later. Now that Joe Burrow is going to be out for some time here in training camp with a calf injury. Coming up next, Sean Payton had some harsh words for Nathaniel Hackett. How many lines did he cross? Harry Douglas will tell you. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. You can also watch us on ESPNU. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is ESPN Radio. As far as, you know, what we have going on here, I kind of live by saying if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. Obviously, we're doing something right if you got to talk about us when we don't play it till week four. Sean Payton's not shy about letting people know how he feels about things. If he gets asked a question, he's going to answer it bluntly. And I think that's what he was doing while also sending a message to everybody within his organization about what the culture is going to be moving forward. For a guy like Sean Payton, it was a small move by him. You don't have to mention his name. You don't have to mention the new your jet. Sean Payton certainly not shy. Certainly not shy about taking shots either at the coaching staff that predated his time with the Denver Broncos. Harry in an interview with USA Today Sports that was posted yesterday, Sean Payton called Nathaniel Hackett's version of the Broncos one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That is a direct quote from Sean Payton. He went on to say that this version of the Broncos is doing the exact opposite of what that version of the Broncos did, that they're trying to do everything different. And then he even went on to take shots 
at now Hackett's new organization in the Jets and essentially saying they're trying to win the offseason, we're trying to win the actual season, not a direct quote there, but that's basically the gist of what he's saying. He talked about a time when he was a young coach and under Dan Snyder's regime with the Washington Commanders, the Commanders had an offseason where they had the dream team together and Sean Payton thought as a young coach, how am I going to compete with that? And then saw that team go on to an eight-win season and he thought, okay, this is a lesson here of the teams that win the offseason aren't necessarily the teams that win the regular season. So Sean Payton doing a lot of talking about Nathaniel Hackett and frankly, in not such a nice way, Harry. So I'll, I'll start with the Broncos and some of the things that he mentioned about his own team. And he was 1000% correct, Amber, because when you look at that offensive line and the way they played last year and allowed the most sacks in the National Football League of any team, when you looked at the wide receiver group and though they, you feel like they have some guys that can make plays, they had moments where they weren't their best and dropping balls. You look at the quarterback position in which you traded for a guy like Russell Wilson, you send the Seattle Seahawks you know, a ransom back and multiple things, and then you watch that team go to the playoffs and, and, and excel, but the Denver Broncos kind of you know, tank and go in the, the bottom of the ocean. And Russell Wilson, he's missing wide-open guys, and he's holding on to the football and also contributing to the team, you know, allowing sacks. Yeah, it was a disaster. It was a disaster. Everything about that season last year was a disaster, except that defense, which was one of the top ones in the National Football League. So now it's Sean Payton's job to elevate that team, in which he brought in two guys on the offensive line, and Mike McGlinchey and also Ben Powers, and that offensive line should be better, right? And he's trying to change the culture. And that's okay. I understand that if you want to talk about your own team. But the problem I have is when you go to mentioning Nathaniel Hackett by name, you go to mentioning the New York Jets as an organization by their name. Because I think solely, in my opinion, I'm a former player. I like for my coach to be worried about what the hell we got going on over here. Not worried about what's going on in the New York Jets organization. Not worried about a coach that was here last year. Because when you look at a guy like Sean Payton, who has a Super Bowl uh, on his resume, who's very sought of when it comes to the coaching rankings, why do you feel like you have to belittle Nathaniel Hackett in the Jets organization when you're the head coach of the Denver Broncos? And I think Sean Payton frankly forgot that he's no longer working on TV. He's now (laughs) in the coaching side of things, right? So my mom and dad always taught me, you don't worry about the next man or you worry about anybody else's problem. You worry about what the problems that you have within your organization and don't focus on anyone else. I just thought it was a small move by, by, by uh, Sean Payton, and he's a guy that I played against on numerous of occasions, right? When I was with the Falcons in the NFC South and he was with the New Orleans Saints, and we had a hell of a battles, and I think he is a phenomenal coach. But I do not like this move by him because I think there are multiple ways to motivate your team, to get your team going, and to stand up for him. And a lot of people are saying he's trying to send a message to his team. He's trying to take up for Russell Wilson. Well, Nathaniel Hackett wasn't out there throwing the football to tight ends that was wide open, and Russell Wilson was throwing the ball in the dirt and throwing the ball over their head. Nathaniel Hackett wasn't out there with those wide receivers in which he probably schemed up a nice play for them to get open, and they used their God-given talents to also get open, and they dropped the ball. Nathaniel Hackett wasn't out there with those offensive linemen who didn't protect in a certain way. Nathaniel Hackett wasn't out there with the running backs who were fumbling the football in the tight red zone when they're going in to score a touchdown. So uh, I, I think his message to his football team should have been a message to his football team in his team meeting room 
or also uh, on the football field. I don't think his message should have been to his football team taking shots at Nathaniel Hackett and also taking shots at the Jets organization. This was not the classiest move ever by Sean Payton, frankly. And it was a surprising move because we're used to seeing this fraternity of coaches where you sort of just don't do that. But it's also Sean Payton that we're talking about. And he's accomplished enough in the NFL that, frankly, he can probably call out anybody that he darn well pleases that he wants to call out. And so I like this. I'm not going to go ahead and insult it in any way. I always want more of this in my sports. I want more of this from the players. I definitely want more of this from coaches. I want more transparency. Tell us how you really feel, right? I kind of like the trash talking. I kind of like the idea of these rivalry, like these random things, like between the like Broncos and Jets. Let's go ahead. Like, let's just be taking <laughs> random shots at each other. And Robert Sala did have to come out. Yep. And he was asked about Sean Payton's comments because now the head coach of the Jets is dealing with this because of what the head coach of the Broncos said. Here is Robert Sala. Well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. Is you know he's been in the league a while. He can say whatever the hell he wants. But as far as you know, what we have going on here, I, I kind of live by saying if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. Obviously, we're doing something right. If you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four, you know the guys in our locker room they they've earned everything that's coming to them. And really excited about what's going on. I think Hackett's doing a phenomenal job here. Him, the uh, coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job, and and we're focused on us. I get it. There's a lot of external noise. There's a lot of people who are hating on us. There's a lot of people looking for us to fail. There's a lot of crows pecking at our neck. Uh, but all you can do is spread your wings, keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe. But really, really, really excited about the group we have, the coaching that's going on, and. Uh, but I'm going to keep our focus on us and making sure that we're prepared every single day to do the best we can and uh, learn from our past and grow with, grow with every, every moment that we have. Amber, oh, let, let, let me take. Let me, let, but hold I'm on sorry, quick, but, but coaches like just study a playbook of analogies before they become but, coaches. But My look, God, that was some serious coach speak. Let, let me tell you how I know Robert Sala isn't thinking about no Sean Payton and no damn Denver Broncos. He said they play each other, what, week four? They don't play each other the week five. So we don't even know the damn correct week and when they even play. But how much more fun is week five going to be now, Harry, because of this? This is why I like this. Like, I understand you're taking the former player NFL approach. I'm taking the fan approach. And from a fan perspective, give this to me. It makes week five so much more interesting, so much more fun. Otherwise, who who cares about a matchup between the Broncos and the Jets during week five of the regular season? Now we care. Well, of course. And then leading up to that game, that's going to give us more material in, in the media to make that game even bigger than what it probably actually is. But, it, but if you're Sean Payton, the first time you mentioned the New York Jets, in my opinion, should have been week five when y'all play each other. Not right now, right before training camp. Send your message another way. And that's just my opinion. Well, that is your opinion. I will say this. The one thing I don't like about it is that he went on, he actually specifically referenced hard knocks and the fact that the Jets are doing hard knocks and Sean Payton was insulting them for it. And we all know that the New York Jets did not want to do hard knocks. I mean, that could not have been more public. Robert Sala made it very clear. We all know that they were sort of forced into this situation with hard knocks. So that would be the only component of this that I don't like, but I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm here for the budding rivalry (laughs) coming up next here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Two Days continues. We head to Tennessee. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, 
Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is ESPN Radio. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation 2 a day. Time is here! On ESPN Radio. The Tennessee Titans. Blue 58! Go! This is Teron Davenport covering the Titans. DeAndre Hopkins is a big story for Titans training camp. They were able to add the veteran just before things kicked off, and now it was previously an unproven group of receivers looks a lot more formidable. Ryan Tannehill will have Traylon Burks and Hopkins on the outside, Kyle Phillips in the slot, and tight end Chega Conquo, among other looks. It's really going to come down to how quickly Tannehill and Hopkins are able to develop that chemistry. So practice time will be critical. Joint practices with the Vikings as well as the Patriots will give them opportunities to do that. And don't forget, Hopkins played under offensive coordinator Tim Kelly in 2019 with the Texans and caught 104 passes. He's going to need to get the terminology down, but he should be able to hit the ground run. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation 2 days on ESPN Radio. So a team, Harry, that might have not been particularly interesting becomes a lot more interesting with that acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins. The Tennessee Titans, a team that has won the division three straight years, four times in the last five seasons. And yet I feel like everybody was out on the Titans completely. Is your mind changed at all now that they have D-Hop on that roster? Oh, of course, because I think the void for this offensive unit I think last year was when they traded A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles, and then you watch him have the success that he actually had making a Super Bowl and also helping ascend, you know, young quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Last year, this Tennessee Titans team, wide receiver-wise across the board, I think they only had six receiving touchdowns. That was a huge letdown. So being able to sign DeAndre Hopkins was huge for this team, and you still have that big body type wide receiver that can make the tough catches, catch radiuses out of this out of this world. Who's going to win those not fifty fifty balls? Wide receivers call them hundred hundred, baby. We're going up top. We're taking the ball off DB's head, off their helmet. That's what DeAndre Hopkins is going to be able to provide. But I think the most important thing for that wide receiver group uh, and DeAndre Hopkins going to Tennessee, it, it's going to allow their first round draft pick. In which when they traded AJ Brown, they decided to take Traylon Burks from um, Arkansas. It's going to allow a lot of pressure to be off of his shoulders, and now he can get more acclimated to the game heading into his second year. Because you have that bona fide number one now in DeAndre Hopkins, and so now he could come along uh, along the way. I think the other deficiency I would say for their offense for me would be their offensive line because they lost a guy in Ben Jones who I have the utmost respect for at the center position, but they drafted Peter Skaronsky. 
Now, I don't know if he's going to play center or if he's going to play guard, but they do have that luxury uh, of him being versatile. Also, Taylor Lewan was a guy that was there that I played with at Tennessee that helped his football team do a lot of great things. He's no longer there. He is retired now. So I'm trying to figure out if this offensive line is going to be able to get back up to speed from an offensive standpoint. Defensively, the only, I'll say, area I'm worried about them is the secondary. Because within the last two or three years, they invested a first-round draft pick, two second-round draft picks, and a third-round draft pick on corners. And I think they're waiting for those guys to really, really, really show up in a strong way. Roger McCrary did decent last year. Kristen Fulton's trying to come around. But Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, who they took in, the, I believe, the first round, and then Elijah Molden uh, from Washington they took in the third round a few years ago. They're waiting on those two guys to really come around and, and help this secondary be bona fide because when you look at their front seven, especially their defensive line, which I think is a top five unit in the National Football League, I think they're good across the board in those regards. So their defense doesn't concern me nearly as much, but that O-line that you mentioned also concerns me a whole lot. So let's start there. You mentioned Peter Skronsky. He's been practicing at both tackle and guard. If he doesn't start, a free agent pickup at Andre Dillard would start at left tackle if he doesn't end up starting at left tackle. Dillard is completely unproven. You have Aaron Brewer at center, also unproven. You have Petit Fair at right tackle, also questions there. So that O-line, I do think, is a big concern for this team. Pass catcher also used to be a big concern for this team. I agree with you. DeAndre Hopkins completely changes this conversation. Because now you have athletic pass catchers. You already had in Traylon Burks, obviously. And then Aconquo as well. But now with DeAndre Hopkins, like you said, a true number one that you know you can rely on, that is huge for this team because I thought this Titans team was going to go into the season once again with not just the O-line concerns, but also sort of a boring offense, which is something that plagued this Tennessee Titans team last season. You have the storyline hanging over this team as well offensively. Ryan Tannehill, is he going to end up being the starter the entire season? Now you have a dude named Will Levis who's also trying to take his job. Malik Willis never was able to get it done. Will Will Levis be that guy in Tennessee? And they probably would be looking to move on from Ryan Tannehill. They're in a position now where that contract is much more movable than it once was. So there's still a lot of questions offensively for this Tennessee Titans team, but I genuinely do think that DeAndre Hopkins, just that addition alone, makes this team significantly better and significantly more interesting. And this is a Titans team that a lot of people still, if you pull all the power rankings, a lot of people still don't really believe in the Titans, have them towards the bottom of the 32. I actually think the Titans are going to be better than people expect. And part of that for me is Vrabel and the belief that I have in that coaching staff and what we have seen that team do for the last five years. And somehow we just continuously dismiss that. Well, he out coaches a lot of the people that he coaches against on the opposing team sidelines. And part of that is because he played for Bill Belichick. So he, he, while playing in the National Football League, he had an opportunity to see, you know, the tricks of the trade. And then he did a phenomenal job when he was with the Houston Texans under Bill O'Brien. And also uh, while Romeo Cornell was there as well. Now he's the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, uh, was able to win that division, ha- has an AFC championship appearance on his resume as well. 
And I will say this. Let's not forget that the Tennessee Titans, from an offensive standpoint, they still have Derrick Henry. And when you have a guy that can rush the football the way he does, and I don't think by any uh, stretch of imagination that he's slowing down because he's just that doggone good, uh, you have a chance. Now you're going to get stacked box, and now those wide receivers have an opportunity to win one-on-one. DeAndre Hopkins provides this for a quarterback. You don't have to be right all the time when you have a receiver like DeAndre Hopkins. All you have to do is put the ball in his vicinity. He's going to be able to come down with the catch. His hands are massive. His catch radius is unbelievable. And he can go up top and get those, uh, make those contested catches, something that you know I think a lot of young receivers need to understand when they come to the National Football League. You're not going to be wide open like you were in college. you got to be able to make contested catches. So I think that's one of the things that DeAndre Hopkins has done a a very, very good job of. But whenever you have a coach like Mike Vrabel, I think you have a chance. Let's not forget, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick during a football game and was able to come out with that victory. You look at his record against Bill Belichick, and I think a lot of people would be surprised by it. Also, Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans are a team that has given the Kansas City Chiefs some problems over the years. I actually think they should have won that game last year. They went into overtime without Ryan Tannehill at the quarterback position. But I do believe Ryan Tannehill will be the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans this season. And I think when you make that move to go get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, he has to be your quarterback because I've seen this team last year without them, without him. And I thought a, a few of those games, if he was the quarterback, that they, they would actually won. I should remind America that the Tennessee Titans, one of Harry's former teams, Harry Douglas, of course, played wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans. So he knows a little something about that position (laughs) and the importance there. That unit without A.J. Brown, without D-Hop, was 28th in scoring offense. I mean, just abysmal there in Tennessee this past season. And yet we're talking about a team, Harry, that still had a chance to win the AFC South in Week 18. I mean, they still had a shot there at the end of of the season, if not for that last loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of their losses, six of their losses, were one-score losses in 2022. We're not talking about a Tennessee team that had as much of a monster step back as people think that they did. You know, they weren't dropping games, getting blown out. They're not so far from being pretty good and having been being able to win that division again. And so you bring in DeAndre Hopkins and it certainly changes the equation there in Tennessee. I think it's a huge pickup for that team. I think this team will be better than people realize. I'm not even sure we mentioned the name Derrick Henry yet. You know, he had over 1500 yards in 16 games last season. That wasn't enough, but DeAndre Hopkins now as another weapon, maybe that will be enough and there's still questions like no, I said. No, you stopped that. It was enough. He was the second leading rusher in the National Football League. But it wasn't enough to actually win them the division, right? It wasn't well, enough to actually quarterback make that got offense good. Quarterback injured, you know, Jeffrey Simmons missed time, Tier Tart, the Nico Autry. They're getting a, listen, they're getting a pass rusher back in Hare Landry the third. In 2021, that was a double dicks a du- double digit sack guy, right? He had 12 sacks in 2021. That defensive line, I'm going to tell you right now, if opposing teams' offensive line, if they don't bring their hard hat and their lunch pail, they're going to embarrass you because they're physical and they're going to impose their will. So if you're playing against the Tennessee Titans and you're the offensive line unit or you're that offensive line coach that week of that game, 
you better have your guys bring their damn hard hat and lunch pail because them boys are coming, Amber. They coming. They coming. It sounds like both me and Harry are a little higher on the Tennessee Titans than most. Coming up next, and I didn't play for them, so I'm being objective. Coming up next, <laughs> Delvin Cook is in, I felt like I should clear that up. Delvin Cook is in New York this weekend, but will he have a new team before the end of the weekend? Delvin, Miami, what you doing? We'll talk about that next. This is ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. This is ESPN Radio. Aaron Rodgers, he took an unprecedented pay cut this season, Harry. What does that do? Well, that allows the New York Jets a lot of flexibility in terms of their salary cap, and it allows them to pursue free agents to help out Aaron Rodgers. One of them may be Delvin Cook. He is in New York this weekend. He is visiting with the New York Jets. He is still mulling over his decision. He's got offers from several teams. He is mulling over his decision on where he wants to go, but add the Jets to that list. Harry, what would this do for New York if Delvin ended up there? Well, this would be huge, and I love everything about Brees Hall. I think Brees Hall is going to be a phenomenal player throughout his career in the National Football League, but we got to remember, Amber, he's coming off an ACL. I had an ACL injury in 2009, and I understood and know exactly the hurdles that you have to get over in order to become, you know, that player that you once was before injury. And not saying that Brees Hall is going to have a setback and he's not on track, but I don't think you want him to be a bell cow back coming off an ACL, especially early in the season when you understand what your first six games look like in 2023. You bring it in a guy like Dalvin Cook, they're able to sign him, I think he gives this offense that extra lift that they may need. He's a guy within the last four years uh, has over 5,000 yards rushing and 43 touchdowns, and he brings that spark. And I just think when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you're the Jets organization, you go get a guy like A-Rod, you're saying that, okay, we're going for the gusto. We're trying to win this thing. We're trying to be a Super Bowl contender. So Aaron Rodgers sacrificing $35 million for a greater good within his organization and his team so they can bring in other people, I think is, is, is I think it's one of the best things I've seen Aaron Rodgers do throughout his career. And, and I've seen some good Aaron Rodgers because I, uh, I was a part of that, you know, number one seeded team 
for the Atlanta Falcons in 2010 where he was the last seed in the NFC and he came and swept everyone across and then beat the Steelers for a Super Bowl. But, you know, being able to give this organization that flexibility to be able to bring in more talent, I think he's sacrificing for a greater good and Dalvin Cook would mean everything to this offense because you have Brees Hall coming off of an injury. Aaron Rodgers wasn't willing to take a pay cut in Green Bay to keep his boy there uh, at wide receiver in Devontae Adams, (laughs) but all of a sudden very willing to play ball here with the New York Jets. He basically gave back $35 million to the organization. What's funny now about Aaron Rodgers' deal is he counts only $8.9 million against the cap. His backup... Zach Wilson counts nine point six million. A dude. Who's oh, don't still you even say! Don't you even say his deal. name with the way he played last year. Don't you do that? I don't even want to hear about it Zach Wilson. It is amazing that the dude who has won three MVPs <laughs> counts less than Zach Wilson against the cap. I love that, but that is what Aaron Rodgers has done for this organization. So it allows them to explore the Dalvin Cook situation here and they bring Dalvin in Robert Sala did say that he consulted with Aaron Rodgers about Dalvin Cook it appears that Robert Sala is giving a lot of deference to his quarterback when it comes to personnel decisions he noted in admitting that that Aaron Rodgers has been playing in the NFL for as long as Robert Sala has been coaching period so he's going to give a lot of deference and and invite a lot of opinion from Aaron Rodgers and who they're considering Dalvin Cook must be a player that Aaron Rodgers is targeted as somebody he wants of course, Dalvin Cook released earlier by the Minnesota Vikings earlier in the offseason. That was a salary cap move from the Vikings. A lot of teams interested in Dalvin Cook. Well, yeah, when you have a, a guy like Aaron Rodgers and a quarterback of his caliber, yeah, you want to talk to him and see how he feels about certain things as well. But I will say this, if they're able to get Dalvin Cook, not only would he be on your team, but you will be keeping him away from potential teams in your own division. Right, Because you don't want to see him go to the Miami Dolphins and then next thing you know, their offense is boosted that much more. You don't want to see him go to the New England Patriots in which the New York Jets have struggled to beat the last few years or for a very, very long time. Now, that should change this year because of Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position, but I'm just talking about facts, uh, what the past has told us and what we have. As my grandma would say, the proof is in the pudding. right? But also, I think Aaron Rodgers given this organization that flexibility because I've, I've heard some things from camp that Makai Becton isn't doing all the team drills. It also allows them, if they want to you know, try to go out and bring an offensive line, a lineman in at some point, they have that flexibility to do so as well. So I think him taking that pay cut and sacrificing allows this team a little bit more flexibility to fill other holes that they may have on this roster. I hate this so hard as a Miami Dolphins fan. <laughs> I hate this so hard. I really thought that we were going to get Dalvin Cook, and I would imagine the offer from the New York Jets is going to be one that's pretty enticing there. They Dalvin can't let Cook. him lead the building. If the Jets want him this week, you cannot let Dalvin Cook lead the building this weekend. Oh, you the- got to give him a deal that he can't refuse to keep him right there within your organization. Although everyone else has let him leave the building, right? All yep. these other teams that he has met with. And, and, I, and maybe that's just Delvin Cook's strategy. Maybe he's going to leave every building even if he loves the deal. But you're right. Typically, you never want the guy to walk out of the building. If he walks out of the building, there's only so good that the offer was or so good that ne- the negotiations went. We know he has multiple suitors. Yep. We know he has multiple deals on the table. We don't exactly know what Delvin Cook ultimately wants. It seems like he wants a winner and a contender. Both the Dolphins and the Jets would probably do that for him. The Dolphins, Miami, that's home for Delvin Cook. Does that factor into this 
conversation, it seems like they did not offer the most money. It seems like they did not come to where he wanted them to come financially. And maybe this is just a money decision for him. Maybe the New York Jets end up offering more money and he sees them as a viable contender as well. You mentioned the injury to Brees Hall. He is nine months now removed from ACL injury. He is running full speed, even though he hasn't been cleared to fully practice yet. He is back to running full speed. But beyond Hall, they have Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight, both of whom averaged only three and a half yards per carry last season. They also did draft a rookie this season, but we'll see. Dalvin Cook certainly would really, really help them in the backfield. Let's talk, though, about the Miami Dolphins, because not only are the Miami Dolphins potentially here missing out on Dalvin Cook, but they're going to be missing out on Jalen Ramsey, their star cornerback, at the beginning of the season. Ramsey, he suffered a knee injury at training camp. He will have surgery on that knee injury. He is expected to miss now the start of the regular season. I mean, my Dolphins just can't have nice things, Harry. They just can't. Well, it's unfortunate what happened to Jalen Ramsey, right? And I think when he has the surgery, the doctors will be able, the doctors will be able to go in there and see. Okay, is it a trim or do they have to fully repair it? Right. The difference is if it's a trim, um, he may miss the first week of the season, but he, he should be able to return um, early within the 2023 season. If they have to repair it, then that's going to be a longer rehab, and it, it would be more uh, more so towards the end of the season. But you talk about a guy in Jalen Ramsey. Not just a corner outside that can, you know, allow you to have two number one corners and, you know, do some things flexibility wise on the back end and play some man coverage. But when he moves into that nickel position and what we call the star position, he's a guy that can, you know, blitz off the edge. He's a guy that's going to be a sure tackler who can guard slot receivers who can actually, when you have an athletic tight end, guard those type of guys like a Travis Kelsey. So you're losing a lot of production if, if, he's, if, if he's not able to go early on. I mean, just an absolute killer because you would have had two all pros out there in Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. Yep. And now you have Xavier Howard, who's coming into this season healthy for the first time in a couple seasons. Nevertheless, you're going to be avoiding, I would imagine, that side of the field. Coming up next, if you were Joe Burrow's agent, how soon would you call the Bengals to get a new deal done? This is ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio.